0: What's the thread that connects us all? Like, is there something that you're like, I wish people knew that (laughs) aggressive head. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. (laughs) It really is how we deal with stress, how we connect what we interpret as like, hey, this is life or hey, everybody's like running bragged and hey, everybody's tired and everybody's go, go, go and achievement based. And um, that's just the way things are. And I'm like, no, it does not have to be that way.
0: Straight from the boardroom to the microphone, I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. My guest today is Dr. Paige Gutile. Dr. Paige DeMost is an osteopathic family medicine doctor. She's an award-winning physician that runs both a traditional private practice and also created a collaborative care path for patients to actually partner with her in their health. She completed her residency training in family medicine at Ohio Health Doctors' Hospital. Dr. Paige also won the Ohio American College of Family Physicians Young Physician of the Year and also won Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine's Outstanding Recent Graduate Award in 2009.
1: How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. How's your um your Monday going? It was good. It's funny, so I blocked out like to be done at one. I'm like, okay, that's an hour buffer. And you know how kids like smell if you have something going on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, like patients do that too, and so yeah, they smelled it on you. Yes, they could.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Was <laughs> it two girls, three girls? What do we got?
1: Well, I have a stepdaughter who's twenty-two, so okay. and then two that are at home, eight wow. and six. So
0: exact same age as mine, eight and six. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's a fun age, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So so perhaps when I was at, um um preparing for the interview and just kind of getting some of your background. I may have been snooping on uh, Facebook and nice. uh, I loved the comment about, how we got the double whammy of, is Santa Claus real and where do babies come from? Oh my God. Because <laughs> we just got the Santa Claus real thing on Friday. Ah, that's awful. Yes. We already I, had the babies come from, but now we got yeah. the Santa Claus real talk to. Um, oh, We will press on. Okay, so I did,
1: Um, help me understand real quick What are you building? I'm basically probably the best way to understand it. I transitioned my very traditional practice into this membership model, but then realize also that even the membership model of uh, largely one-on-one meetings to in-person members doesn't serve either my in-person members or, you know, a greater number of people as well as I'd like to. So what I'm building is more virtual offerings, like an online only membership. Mm, okay. I've taken to um, calling it kind of like a doc therapy coach. <laughs> so I'm a doctor plus a therapist plus a coach. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Full service. <laughs> I mean, being a doctor is actually mostly ther- therapy. <laughs> I've heard that. But I've heard that. Yeah. So, um, and I have, I mean, you're not supposed to, but I have almost two niches. So I have how I apply that to my patients, but also looking at how do I help clinicians and trainees learn how to be their own doctor first and basically change how they seek health for themselves, mostly emotional and intellectual well Um, because there's a whole heck of um, uh, heck of a lot of burnout physicians and even starting as students. So happy doctors equal happy patients. And there's a lot of grumpy doctors out there.
0: Wow. What do you attribute that to? I mean, is it burnout? Is it the system?
1: Is it not practicing yeah. self-care? It's... um. So I mean, basically you know, we have a lot of students that come in like bright eyed, bushy tail, wanting to save the world. And then the training system is brutal. I mean, it's, it's still has some military-esque qualities. And so then you just kind of like get into the system. And somehow when you come out, out of the training process, that, that, like energy to save the world is gone and it's just like, let me just find a job so I can repay three hundred thousand dollars of debt and punch a time clock, which does not serve, you know, anyone well to prevent burnout. Like they're they're burnout by the time they get their first job. It's it really is sad. Wow. Um yeah. Like you don't really think of and there's I mean there's no value to like, oh poor Dr. Sob story, but you don't really hear much about the fact that physicians have the highest rate of suicide substance abuse and depression of any profession. It's like not cool. <laughs> wow. So, and a lot of it is like you know, you're if if you're functioning within a dysfunctional system and you're doing things outside of your bliss, there's a lot of how are you supposed to really connect with patients and solve their problems while you're having to document the patient encounter um, with five million clicks and dealing with insurance regulations and all these things so I mean in theory it, uh, there's some benefit to it obviously in sharing information and and uh, eliminating uh, duplication, but there is more harm to what a a, pac- a patient and a doctor's ability to relate to each other and develop a trusting longitudinal relationship that's going to serve their health. I quite frequently say expecting a physician to document the patient encounter is basically like expecting a judge to document court proceedings. Like it, you just can't have higher level decision-making and taking in information and connecting with your patient and relating to them and solving their problems while you're on a keyboard. The first time I had to shop for an electronic health record um you know you get all these vendors that kind of come in and present and so i'm sitting down and i'm thinking like largely i mean this why do i need to be here i this is not my zone of genius and so you know as they walk through the process like this is how you check in someone and this is where you can document this and document this and then you can document the whole history here um that's documented by you know, the physician, oh, can you import it from, no, 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 you have to document that. And then you document your physical exam and your assessment and your plan, and then you can do the coding right here, and then you can send that, then your coding is done and so that you can bill it. And then this is where you... Um, you navigate the prescriptions and this is how you send the prescription to the pharmacy and and is it and it's great right and i'm like no you just made me a one woman show and i have no interest in being a one woman show everything but two things he described were things that i was not doing before that i had staff to okay i okay that you send it i do this you s-. and and basically it just shrunk my staff down but made me a very in you know, overpaid clicker. <laughs> wow. I think in theory, they're trying to look for efficiencies and, and obviously, you know, that, that can create less staff, but it's just, it's, it, it just doesn't work that way. Like, and you know, in the entrepreneurship world, it's like, how can I stay in my zone of genius and outsource things that I don't need to be doing? And that's how you grow. Um, but. Yeah that medical informatics it's it's functioning totally like counter those principles and i i mean we're seeing that it's just not it, it doesn't increase my efficiency and it doesn't increase my ability to serve more people and it definitely doesn't increase my ability to serve more people well the way they want to be served so major reason why i gracefully exited the insurance world <laughs> And I bet people really finally are getting their questions answered in a way
0: and the kind of human, you know, touch and engagement that we really need that so many of us are
1: craving when we go in to see our physician. Ultimately, that is it. Like, if I, being able to hear someone's story is so powerful. And when patients know that, I, I know them. I know what's going on with them physically, but I also know their environment. I know their relationships, their work, what they're going through, finances, what, you know, where they're at as far as how to navigate that. And so once, once patients feel like they've been heard and, and I know, and they can update me as new things come up, it's, it's so much easier for everyone. It's reassuring for patients. It's quite frankly, makes my job so much easier because in the old system, chances are by the time patient a patient got to me, maybe they had already had a problem for a week or two or they had tried this or tried that or Googled this or Googled that or gone to the urgent care. And so I'm connecting all this data and taking into account all this data it's just the algorithm is not, I mean, not that problems are algorithms, but it's like, okay, I have to like connect these dots. And um, But if I'm just walking alongside a patient, it's it's just so much simpler to be able to guide. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's beautifully put. That's amazing. I love that idea.
0: I noticed that on your Instagram, it says empowering you to be your own best doctor. I teach you to self, is it self-prescribe? I saw RX. self so- Self-Rx. Self RX. Okay. Yeah. I teach you to self-RX whole health, body, mind, spirit, life. Can you talk to us about that? I love that. I love that idea.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed over the years in medicine is a doctor is just part, I mean, obviously just a snippet in time, right? So you go to your doctor and you kind of tell them what's going on and, and you get um some recommendations and then you go out to live your life. And health is so much bigger than the physical, obviously. It has to do with um, emotion. The emotional health and physical health are so connected. And they are so influenced by life, by your environment, that it doesn't serve me well, one, not to know what's going on, relationships, finances, your physical environment, intellectual processing, like, gosh, you know, are you under the gun all day long and like where are your stresses coming from, from the intellectual, the emotional, spiritual, what, all of that. Um, so one, I need to know about that. But then also when patients are thinking about where is the solution, so many times the solution comes outside, well, definitely outside of a pill, but even outside of the um what we would think of as lifestyle medicine outside of the exercise plan and the nutrition plan. And more and more, we're stepping into, you know, stress management, but I really kind of dive deeper into what some people would call stress management and say, hey, let's look at time management. Let's look at sleep. Let's look at relationships. Let's look at efficiencies. Let's look at, you know, where we can design your time and design your environment so that your environment feeds your health and you're not fighting Against it. Um, So that's kind of how I define that whole health thing. It's, you know, you have to, it's body minded spirit, which a lot of people talk about, but it's really body mind spirit and life that we have to get into.
0: And was there a catalyst that got you into that? Like, was there a defining moment or have you always been interested in this topic?
1: Um, Well, I trained as an osteopathic family physician. So DO is trained philosophically a little bit differently than allopathic physicians. So we tend to look more at the whole person, body mind, and spirit, and really respect the body's ability to heal itself um, if we remove the barriers to he- healing or if we can augment natural healing. Ah, uh, but beyond that, it really was seeing patients and in my own health experiences, noticing that, gosh, you know we're doing all these things, but I would see patients that would come back to me after we're, you know, trying different things and maybe not getting better. and um and and all of a sudden, they're feeling better. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Like, did you stop missing a medication here or there? Or did you try a new workout program or did you try a new supplement or are you doing whole 30 or like what's going on? Inevitably, it would be something outside of what we would conventionally think of as health that had changed and released a stress or almost like an impression to their physical health that they finally got ahead of. So they were saying things like, oh no, I, finally decided to go back to school and my pain is gone. It's like, okay. Or I, you know, I I was in a dysfunctional relationship and I decided to, to you know, in that relationship and I'm moving forward or I'm stuck in cold, gloomy Ohio and all my family is in Florida and I am a Florida person and I need to be around my family. And so if we think about the buckets of health, it's just so interesting that where we think there might be this biochemical problem, which there is, but we can relieve that if we address some other stresses around it. Um, and I think we've all experienced that to some degree, right? I mean, we know certain stressors are going to bring us down, but I think um, I'm surprised quite frequently at just how much the, a change of environment makes people jump forward in their health, whether it's physical or emotional.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it wasn't necessarily you driving people to do this. It was just, there was a shift for the positive. And then when you asked, you found out it was this external factor that they'd addressed that then. It's interesting when you said these buckets and as you were painting that picture, I was thinking, are they really buckets or are they just, (laughs) they're so interconnected. um, We We think of them probably, I would imagine, we think of them collectively as being separate, but they're probably, sounds like they're very interconnected.
1: Absolutely. And I admittedly can be probably a little annoying to patients because human nature We want to know what the one answer is, and our physiology just does not work that way. I tell people it's kind of like the scalloped potatoes of medicine, like the thinnest (laughs) layered potatoes. I mean, not that scalloped potatoes are healthy, right, Um, per se, but it's we need to have these small layered consistent changes to really get changes in physiology when it comes to chronic condition and wellness and longevity. Um, but human nature says, "Hey, we're just looking for that like one thing, and I'm like, no, everything's interconnected. We need to just get the ball rolling, get it snowballing in the right direction, and then we really kind of pick up steam. so yeah, it's they're not buckets, they're not um, you know, they're not like just one magic thing that you can hang your hat on. But to me, that can be encouraging because it's like, okay, it's not one huge thing. It's like, let me just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then we'll get moving in the right direction.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit more about the um, your practice itself. And then we'll kind of move into maybe some more entrepreneur questions and maybe some, some background a little bit. But as you were talking about um, at the beginning, when you said you Doctors really function as therapists. Um, I'm thinking about that. like you get this like you get this unique perspective of sort of seeing behind the curtain of people's lives. like when the door shuts and people get honest or vulnerable or they share their their fears with you, what's the thread that connects us all? Like, is there something that you're like, I wish people knew that,
1: aggressive head. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) It really is how we deal with stress, how we connect what we interpret as like, Hey, this is life or Hey, everybody's like running bragged and Hey, everybody's tired and everybody's go, go, go and achievement based. And um, that's just the way things are. And I'm like, no, it does not have to be that way. That go, go, go mode that is physiologic. I mean, that is, is driving us down. And so that's really what is affecting people the most. And it takes different forms. Of course, sometimes it's work stress and, and Hey, I'm just going to put in my time and grind and, and I'll be able to make it up later, which, you know, hashtag not, not happening. Um, Or it's um, an emotional stress where they feel connected to a family member who, you know, is a dysfunctional relationship, but I feel bad because she, you know, my mom always asked me to do this and I feel bad letting people down or, you know, it's a, a physical stress or a financial stress that just feels like, oh, I'm in this box and I can't, can't get out of it. So, I mean, that honestly, if we look at like, the big bucket it's how are we dealing with stress and do we ever let our body get into i what i call everything's okay mode and relax mode and um you know we think of that as like a bonus sometimes and it's not a bonus it's a necessity of life and you know literally i can describe There's two sides to the nervous system. You know, a lot of people, you hear about fight or flight mode, right? You have sympathetic side to the nervous system that's designed to go, go, go. But what about this parasympathetic nervous system, which, you know, and doctors, sometimes they learn it, they call it the rest and digest. I call it everything's okay mode. And so that is meant to be our prominent side of the nervous system like our ancestors were kind of in everything's okay mode until they heard a lion roar in the background and it's like oh what was that like I gotta figure out if I'm gonna die here or if I need to run we live predominantly in go 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 mode and that is causing dysfunction at a cellular level that of course our body's resilient it puts up with it for a really long time but we're not thriving and we're sacrificing um, longevity. We're sacrificing energy. We're sacrificing happiness. We're sacri- we're increasing our risk for chronic conditions. So, if I could get everyone to understand that things like that we talk about when we talk about self care, prayer, meditation, yoga, journaling, just relaxing, that it's not a coping mechanism. It's actually an innate human need it's a requirement for life and that we really should not feel guilty about emphasizing that we should be we should be challenging ourselves to getting into that mode not and again not as a coping skill but just as like core need
0: yeah is that how people get into the 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 second form the everything's okay uh, nervous system is that how we do it through prayer meditation
1: Yeah. Anything that kind of gets us like in deep breaths, um, a sense of calm, it it can feel different for everyone, but you can snap yourself into fight or flight mode with one thought with one, like, Oh, did I forget to pack a lunch? Oh my, you know, and then that, you know, riles us up. Um, so some people are in that mode, literally 24 seven. If, you know, if you self-describe as type A, or I'm just a worrier, or like you're in it. Yeah. And so it can feel very unfamiliar to spend time relaxing and spend time daydreaming. And, you know, again, prayer, meditation, deep breaths. Um, And it's not some a lot of people think they're relaxing when they're not relaxing like a lot of people tell me oh what i do for to relax is i watch netflix or i play games on my phone or you know something that yes it's it's mindless but it's still stimulating you know we're still being stimulated so it's really getting into that state of calm mm. where you don't feel stimulated you don't need to be stimulated you're okay with your
0: own thoughts yeah we were. Um, I was interviewing recently the founder of uh, Tahoe Trail Bar, and he was talking about he just just finished a book by um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, if we're familiar with his mm-hmm. work. And um, was it theta waves? I'm gonna have to check on that. But he was talking about like when your body gets into this really calm state. And he was he said, "Oh, I was I was uh, traveling and the other day, and I was looking out the window, and I'm watching this." It was such a simple thing that he told me, but I keep coming back to this moment when he was saying, I was just watching the wind blow this tree and watching like the leaves and the sound. And he's like, and I was just mesmerized by it for minutes. And he goes, and I realized that I was in that state. I was in those waves. And I I don't, I sound similar to what you were talking about, but he's like, I was just completely present and focused on just that. And I was so relaxed and at peace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like that, and that's why it's kind of different it's, it's hard to describe for, for people. I feel like people need, that's why they need to be their own doctor, right? They need to know like what, what clicks for me. Some people can go out for a run and they can get into a meditative state while they're running. I will tell you that if I am running, I am not meditating. (laughs) That's not my, that's not my jam, you know? So, and, and some people they'll, you know, maybe quote unquote, try to meditate and they can't they can't it's it's almost like frustrating for them right Mm -hmm. and true meditation can be it can be a learned skill and so one step into it is to be active while you're getting into that relaxed state Mm. by focusing on something focusing on the sky focusing on um, music in the background that's just kind of you know relaxing white noise type things or going for a walk and letting yourself daydream um but Yeah. So it can look different for everyone. Um, And I think it can sound confusing because it's like, you know, when you get there, but I don't know exactly what would get you there. Mm -hmm. That's good. I was just thinking about
0: focusing on your breathing. I found that like when people were struggling with um, meditation, there seems to be two things that really make a difference. One is if they just focus on breathing in and out and that's it. Uh, The other one is then using guided meditation. So I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of of
1: headspace, insight timer, those kind of apps. But um Oh, totally. Cause it uses our like type A analytical personality to our advantage, right? Like give me something to do and I'll crush it. But <laughs> if you describe it to be, but then actually, oh, you snuck it in that the assignment is actually an intuitive calming assignment, then okay, I can, I can do it. Right. Right. You're like, you need to establish the objective first. No, it makes sense. Does, does gratitude get
0: people there? I'm just thinking, I know gratitude is such an important practice. I'm a huge proponent of it, but is that something that can also get people to the everything's okay state? Yeah.
1: Yeah. In fact, I talk quite frequently about three things that actually have been connected to changing your neuro chemistry, neurotransmitters, neurohormones that create that, that relaxed state. And so one thing actually is anticipation. So everybody has um, experienced the feelings when you're getting ready to go on vacation, not the like, oh my gosh, I have to pack feeling, but the like excitement, you're planning, what are we going to do? We could do this, we could do that. And that just Get you happy, right? So, you want to release some happy chemicals. Anticipation is one thing. The second thing I call savoring. And so if you picture like savoring a fine wine, that could describe what you um, were just talking about with the leaves. Like you're actually looking at that and you're like, oh, that's cool. Like you're just immersed in it. I call it the that's that's cool feeling. So if you are experiencing something and you're like, oh, you really let yourself savor it and think, oh, that's cool. Um, and then the third one is gratitude. So looking back on something Better if it's very small and very specific. Um, So looking back on something and feeling that gratitude for it is, is wonderful. Um, One, I quite frequently when it comes to gratitude, when I first started um, having a gratitude practice, you know, I would say, oh, I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for my girls. I'm thankful for my, my job and the next day. Well, I'm thankful for my husband, I'm thankful for my girls and it's like okay, you know, where's the magic coming from, Oprah? I mean, you said if I did a gratitude practice, you know, like the unicorns and rainbows are going to come out. And so but I, the difference between saying I'm thankful for my girls and saying, I'm thankful that Ava ran up to me and gave me a big hug without me asking her to, because it made me feel like a good mom. It's like, oh, you just feel that so much more. So I found it really has to be a specific instance and bonus points. If you can connect the because, because you really will notice, okay, that's why it made me feel like a good mom like, okay, if that's something that I'm craving, like I, I need to feel like a good mom. Like I need to reaffirm that to myself. I can seek that in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or, you know, whatever that feeling word is, you can, you'll start to notice what those deep feelings are that you need and focus on what gets you those feelings as opposed to the to-dos that you need to accomplish. I think
0: that we minimize the impact that we can have if we're feeling down. Yes, there is one way to increase your dopamine in a pill. There's also other ways like exercise or chocolate or sex, or there's other ways to get the same sensation. We just, one may be an easier
1: path than the other. But And one thing I think is hugely helpful to realize is a lot of, well, well, if we talk about hormones, we're... most accustomed to, like, we know these feedback loops. And so the more you use them, the more you create. If you don't use them, you lose them kind of thing, in air quotes. Um, But so... That is true for a lot of these happy chemicals in our brain. It truly is very difficult for some people to create a dopamine response because it has been so suppressed for so long by a variety of different things, starting with a genetic tendency all the way through life, um, that it's, it's more difficult. And so, yeah, we do need to use medicine as a leg up sometimes, but it's important to know, one, even if we do use medicine... If we're giving you a leg up on the horse, you still got to ride the horse. Like the work still has to be done. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, for some people, it truly is. You can try to ride the horse all day, but if you're not on there, like you need that leg up. That's why so, it's got to be a partnership. I mean, to your to big time, your original uh, in your bio, it's it's an
0: actual partnership between two people. So there's no shame in getting a leg up on the horse. Absolutely, we m- many need a leg up on the horse, but then take take like grab the reins and, and then ride the yeah. horse and, and be a partner in that. I love that, that idea. And I also see it as, um, I would imagine a lot of ways you're giving patients a lot of power back because, um, uh, it, it'd be easy to walk into a physician and kind of So I use the phrase like giving away your power or taking back your power a lot, but I don't want it to sound like a power play, but I mean it in just the sense of empowering, like you're empowering the patient to be their own advocate and take take um, control and responsibility of their health care. But I would just think this process is just incredibly empowering and just instead of like, okay, I'm gonna see what happens with my healthcare. No, I'm an advocate for my own healthcare. I am I am in the driver's seat of whether I am I'm healthy or not, or that I've got profound influence on it versus it's something that's just happening to me.
1: Absolutely. And you know, some people are very accustomed to that and very comfortable with that. But it may be surprising, you know, just how many people are not accustomed to that. You know, we talk about kind of the old time relationship of doctor physician relationship where it was more perhaps hierarchical and feeling. Um, And just, you know, I think about how I raise my kids and the verbiage that I use with my kids. Like, you know, when they run up and they get, you know, they have a skin knee and they're looking to us honestly to know how to react is this a big deal is this not a big deal and am i going to say like oh my gosh oh my gosh we got to take you to the doctor or we have to go to the hospital or i'm going to call the doctor or, i'm going to call the doctor and give you a shot and you know is it a positive experience that they're having there or are we teaching kids to look to a doctor to make them better or are we saying okay let's let's stand up let's clean that off your body will work on it let's see if we need to help your body out a little bit but I think you got this so I think that is so powerful that innate philosophy of the body has the ability to heal itself and of course, we want to help it, and of course, we want to augment its abilities. And there are boundaries, you know. If you fall and break your leg, and the bone sticking out of your leg, well, you need a little help, right? But um, just that innate philosophy of, like, you know what, my body's wise, um, and that goes for our mind too. Like, we have intuition; we know what our next step should be. Oftentimes, and what causes the most stress is when we know what our next step should be, but we're not taking it. <laughs> All that being said, let's see who we need to help it and how we need to help it. You know, when we talk about things like, oh, the body has the ability to heal itself, it's not meant to be some like profound woo woo statement. Like, who's going to be on our team to help it? Just like, you know, LeBron James has the ability to be a superstar NBA player. Does he do that alone? No, he has a team uh, that helps him. So, you know, what might need to be on our team is alternative therapies, or it might be traditional pharmaceutical medication, or it might be um, a specialist. It might be chemotherapy. It might not be, you know. So, just really looking at the whole scope, but maintaining that ownership and that empowerment, like you mentioned, to say, you know what, I'm going to take a next step because I choose to take it under the wise counsel of trusted healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. No, I like that.
0: Are you struggling to stay focused? Still need to get things checked off that to-do list, but finding it harder than ever. Be productive, be effective, and perform at your best. In my new digital course, Multiply Me, I'm gonna show you how to be laser focused and wildly effective. You will learn how to get three times as much done, but in less hours a day. I'm much more focused, so much more done in my day.
1: Far more time effective.
0: I needed to make a change and this was it.
1: Amazing.
0: Life-changing. You can literally multiply your output. You can master a productivity tool today that will give you a high performance advantage in any season. Take back your time so you can enjoy the life you've earned. Join us now at pivot-me.com backslash multiply me. We've created a free guide, four simple steps to getting more done in less time. In these short videos, I quickly show you the four main steps to productivity, to getting more done, the right things done, but in less time. To download your free copy and have it in your inbox ASAP, go to pivot-me.com. Get the four simple steps to getting more done in less time. Join us now at pivot-me.com backslash multiply me. So when you when you went into a more holistic approach this collaborative approach um was it well received i mean or did you come under fire and ridicule from someone for that
1: yeah that's an interesting question i think there i think a, the healthcare industry or you know views of healthcare a lot of people recognize that this is the way we should be going they recognize that the body is wise, and we need to focus more on health and wellness than just treating disease. Um, But the system isn't set up that way, which is unfortunate. And even the strides that we're making and setting up the system to promote wellness because I mean, I think everybody's heard it a little more focus on nutrition, a little more focus on exercise, a little more focus on checking in and getting your annual physical and getting your blood work done so that your insurance company gives you a break on your, you know, um, deductible or whatever. But the process is so fragmented that it doesn't really, what I was hearing from patients, it doesn't serve them well. It feels like, oh, someone's telling me to do something over here. Somebody's telling me to do something over here, but it doesn't respect that ongoing trusted relationship with a primary care doctor who's able to kind of quarterback your health. Um and so that's what i think is most different about my approach is i'm com- i'm completely respecting of you know all approaches but my preference is to handle a lot more of that holistic approach within my my um collaborative and within my care as opposed to hey you need to be referred for this or you need to be referred for that and so for that reason I just really honestly could not find a way to function within the current healthcare system and morally and ethically practice the type of medicine that I thought was best for patients and that's what led me to pivot and open up my own practice that is based on a membership model so that I could connect more with patients and be able to sit down for them with them for a half hour an hour and hear their stories and and make their their game plan with them
0: Was there a defining moment? Was there one
1: patient or one conversation that you thought, I need to do this differently? I didn't know it at the time, but uh, looking back, I was in a process. I was in um, the family-owned business, very traditional private practice, accepting all different kinds of insurances and 15-minute office visits, sometimes double booked. And um, a patient came in to me and she brought me an article related to a model called direct primary care, which is the most popular, reasonably priced membership model that a lot of primary care docs are using. And she said, you know what? I just wanted to bring this article to you because one, I already feel like I get this kind of care for you. Like when I call, I'm able to, get in and you spend time with me and I feel like you're there for me. So thank you for that. And I just wanted you to know that if you ever decide to do this, I would totally sign up. (laughs) And so I really was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, oh, that's so nice. You know, that's interesting. And then as it was probably, I mean, two or three years later that it even really circled back as I, we were trying to decide what to do with the current practice um, that I heard from a colleague about some guy that he that she knew in Pennsylvania that was doing this direct primary care thing. And I think, you know, looking back, it's like, okay, if one person's making it work, then I know I can make it work because I I can scrap this um, together and figure things out. And then you know, always have the Johnson family. Like I know they were going to sign up. So (laughs) let's go for it.
0: That's awesome. That's so have you always been, so you, you, so you run a practice right now, you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? Have you always had sort of entrepreneur leanings as well? I mean, usually when I ask people that they kind of go, you know, I was selling candy bars on the school bus at 10 or they've got some story about that.
1: Yeah. I definitely was kind of this combination of counselor, teacher, doing things my own way. And then I don't recall being big into the uh um like lemonade stand scene growing up or anything like that probably because I was doing sports and, you know, five main things. But um I think it's hilarious now that actually my um, college major, I was accepted to business school and I wanted to be in international business. That, that was what my major was. And now looking back, I'm like, did I even know what that was? Like, I don't even know what that is now, you know? <laughs> but apparently I had these business inklings that I wanted to be a teacher, be a counselor, and now, you know, own my own business. But Wow. If anybody knows what if you know what international business gets you, I don't think it gets you what I'm doing right now, but it sounded pretty glamorous apparently. It does sound really glamorous. Yes. It's another as a, you know as you know, probably much more glamorous than true entrepreneurship. Yeah, but. it's
0: not nearly as glamorous as people think it is. It's funny. <laughs> people are like, I want to get into it. I'm like, what do you think that looks like? Like talk to me what you talk to me about what an average day is in your mind. I'm just kind of curious what do you get to do because you own a business or, and if that's not as applicable, maybe the question is, what do you get to do because of the kind of career you have?
1: You know, I love that phrasing of what you get to do, because I think we've always, uh, we everybody has had those, I have to do days, mm-hmm. but I think quite a bit of what I get to do. And um, to me, an Owning my own business in particular, and being in this membership model, um, as well as I, I love to teach medical students. Every doctor that you meet probably does five million and one things, and I, I haven't totally released that tendency. So I do juggle a few different things, but um, it's really just flexibility. Um, I that idea that I believe so strongly in that everybody has the the right and the um, and the like requirement like the life requirement of designing your own life like we were not put on this earth for the pleasure of any other human being or a job or a whatever so um just that real connection to like I get to design my day and it's definitely something I love about the membership model I don't I'm able to be in contact with my patients in a little more convenient way. So they can text me, they can call me, I can see them in person quite a bit, but we also can handle a lot over the phone. And there's a more of a personal relationship. So they know that, you know, Wednesday nights are dance nights in my house. And so if, if I don't call you back, I might be calling you back in 20 minutes or whatever that's it. Just that flexibility is, is wonderful. I'm not, and back to your previous question about entrepreneurship. I know, I don't think I ever knew that I, um, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, right away, but I knew that I never liked a job where I had to like punch a time clock, you know, where I, that was predictable and you show up and you go home. And so that's, that variety and flexibility is, is awesome.
0: Do you have, a? um, we talk about this a lot on the show, um, do you have a morning routine, either a morning routine that you follow or kind of success habits that you implement throughout your day that helps you show up and be your best, you know, continue to grow and thrive?
1: Yeah. And I think, honestly, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at remembering sayings, but I remember hearing um, something to the effect of it's not how often you fall down, but how quickly you get back up. (laughs) So even when I talk about routines, it's like, is any routine, is anybody a hundred percent with their routines? Like call me up and let me know (laughs) if you are. Um, so the 80, 20 rule is huge with me, but I, I know, and I celebrate, myself when i can get up before anyone else gets up and i can start my day moving my body taking some deep breaths getting some some um, water in and then more dictated by um my the fact that my face stays red for about 45 minutes after I work out. So um, to let that calm down, then that's a great reflection time, right? So after my workout, I make myself sit down and kind of like be intentional about my day and look at my schedule and get into devotional or get get into some writing. And that, I mean, honestly, if I do that, I feel like I've won the day. I mean, that's, I've won the day. That's it. You don't have to talk to me anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. Win the morning, win the day. It's so true. It's so true. That's awesome. A couple other questions. Um, This will kind of bounce around a little bit. But um, is there two to three things that you maybe two to three things that you wish you could tell every patient? Or it could be two to three things that you wish you could
1: tell uh, you could tell every person? Yeah, gosh, um, I wish I could tell everyone. Well, just that you get up, get back up off the mat, like learn to spring back up and make your next best step. It does. You do not have to know the whole path. You just have to know your next step. And so whatever I've been through in life or however I'm helping a patient, um, I think, you know, let's just celebrate our next, the next hard thing. Right. And tackle that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, just getting back to maybe what we talked about before about um, it, it health is more than physical health. It is a combination, this like beautiful web of our biochemistry, physiology, our body structure, and what it can do. But just as strongly, if not more strongly, it is our emotional state, it's our intellectual stimulation and, and functioning. It's our spiritual health and it's how we're influenced by our physical environment and our relationships and our resources. And so really embodying all of that and, and self-reflecting and seeking counsel to, into all of that is where we really move forward. Cause I think we do a good job at seeking counsel at physical health, but then, you know, we have these emotional, um, maybe tendencies or ways of thinking that we just kind of let linger. And it's like, if we wouldn't let a toothache linger for years, then surely we're not letting that thing that Uncle Bob told us on in when we were in second grade bother us for years, right? I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> it's
1: totally true. Everyone's got an Uncle Bob. Yeah. Everyone's got the thing yeah. that's going to bother them, right?
0: Put it to yeah. bed. Work through it. It's worth it. It's worth the work. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So uh, kind of switching uh, gears a little bit, who's who's Dr. Page outside of your
1: practice? Oh, good good question. So Dr. Page outside of practice, um, first of all, I think work in progress and it's so fun. Like I really, over the last few years, have just embraced that idea of getting off this treadmill of like arriving at, at some point theoretical destination and just enjoying a next best step, uh, myself. And so to me, that really involves practicing like my own spiritual development and personal development first and foremost, so that I can model that to my kids, um, and be present during playtime and, have fun and have fulfilling relationships with my family, dance. I did my first TikTok video last night and I won a bet with my kids. They are cleaning tonight. <laughs> and so really <laughs> just, just really releasing any like expectations of what will people think and whatever, and just having fun.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So sp- speaking of, I wanted to touch on one thing, kind of a, a side to this, but it really resonated with me. So I noticed, um, I, I saw a recent post that you made on Instagram and you were talking about, I think you were traveling and that you're missing your kiddos, but I love it was about three weeks ago. And I love that you said that you're missing your kiddos. You love them, you adore them, but super excited and proud that they get to have a mommy that doesn't settle for a routine life is constantly trying to improve, trying to serve others well, and not shy away from the big dreams God placed in me. Can you talk about that? I, I, I love that as a, as, a, as a mother, a very present mother and a loving mother, also a woman that runs a business and has a lot of irons in the fire that really, really spoke to me. Um, and I love that these two concepts are not mutually exclusive. Being a great present mom and also serving people at a very high level, contributing, uh, running businesses, uh, just delivering on this massive scale. These two things are not mutually exclusive.
1: So um, t- talk to us about that comment. Yeah, thanks for reading that too, because it just kind of like brought up some emotion. Um, yeah, I just, I really am proud of my like continued like development and ability to connect to the fact that all those excuses that we can give ourselves for like shrinking down or not being bold are actually the reasons why. And I really try to remind myself that of like, okay, I need to be to be the most powerful I can be because I have these kids. I'm not going to shrink away from that because I have things to do with my kids. Like they need to see that. And, and same thing with just taking care of my body. I need to work out because I need to have the energy to run a company. I need to eat well because I need to uh, model that for my kiddos. I need to, constantly be learning about my emotional state and becoming more efficient and becoming more open to people and being able to connect with people better because that's how I'm going to connect with my kids. And so I can't shy away from spending time pouring into myself. I know a lot of these, those sayings can become cliche, but I I literally picture that whole thing about, you know, if you pour out, pour out, pour out, eventually that glass is going to tip over and break. And then where are you? As opposed to when you pour into that glass and just keep pouring, you can overflow to, to everyone. And so, um, as cliche as it is, I picture that in my mind so, so frequently. And I know, um, I know my kids are proud of me and I know that they know that mommy helps a lot of people and I hope they grow up and help a lot of people.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. That's definitely something yeah. that's near and dear to my heart. When I read it, I got all choked up myself too. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting is, um, I always think about the fact that we focus a lot as mothers on, on we're, we're being a role model, but often we think about how we're being a role model of a mother. Mm. And, and I often say we're, we're very good at role modeling what being a mother looks like. And some, some are very good at, um, we have a natural inclination even to role model what a sacrificing mother looks like. But but we're also teaching them how to be women. We're also teaching them how to be wives. We're also teaching them to be members of a community. And I, I, I think about that a lot, that I don't want to just model what being a mom looks like to them. I want to model what being a happy, healthy mom looks like, and also what being just a woman looks like and a business owner and a boss and a human being and a friend and all of these other things because um at some point they're going to grow up and I've set a blueprint that they, they may or may not follow, but I've set a blueprint of what being an adult woman looks like. And I want to be really care- careful what I've modeled because I don't want to just model, this is what, sel- you know, the mom that's like, oh, she never did anything for herself. Mm-hmm. And you think about how we talk about moms and we get in the habit of saying, I was just reading something this morning and it was like, oh, my my wife is the best. She she never does anything for herself. She does everything for the kids and me and I appreciate it. And I hear that and I think, oh gosh, your intention is is good and I, I hear that. Um, but what are we showing people? What are we praising her for? Like we're praising her for the fact that she does nothing for herself and everything for her kids and, and her husband. I don't want my daughters to do that. I want my daughters to be wonderful mothers if they choose to have children. But I don't want to praise them for, oh, honey, look, you didn't do anything for yourself. You never got your hair cut or painted your toenails or went out and had, you know, a beer with some friends or had a girls weekend or spent, you know, went on date night or I don't want them to think that that's what being a good mom is. I want want them to know that being a good mom is also balance and rebalancing. Um, yeah. anyways, it's, it's just something that I'm really passionate about and that I heard that and what you were yeah, saying, Yeah, we too. want them
1: to know how to be the best purpose driven human they can possibly be. And part of that purpose, mothering that, that is part of it, but there are, there are other purposes to our being. And, um, yeah, they just that well-rounded nature of. You have to be yourself first before um, before you can be in relationship with someone else. Whether it's a romantic relationship, a relationship to a um, to your kids or to other family members, it's like you have to weigh that. You Mm -hmm. have to weigh your purpose with other people's benefit from you doing what they would like you to do. And, you know, yes, you have to meet in the middle sometimes. And ultimately we all have an intuition. If we are comfortable with our character, you know, then we don't have to second guess. Am I being selfish? No, you're not being just, if you're self-aware enough <laughs> to ask yourself, is this selfish, you know, and weigh that, then chances are you're not being selfish. You know, it's not selfish. It's being, um, it's really putting yourself first so that you then can be selfless after that.
0: Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the "Is it's okay if who you are. Inconveniences them. It's okay if if your ambition inconveniences them a little bit, and and it's okay if they don't understand it. And I'll tell you, some of the people that I work with, in particular women, um, it's it's really hard because they have to run the business and they have to do everything else with it not inconveniencing their family whatsoever. And I can remember um, talking to, and this is a conversation I've had many times, but recently having a conversation with one business owner and and me saying, you know, it's okay if you have to take a client call at seven o'clock that you don't push it till 9.30, till after your kids are asleep. It's okay for you to ask your husband. It's, it's okay to say, hey, I've got to have this 20 minute conversation. I, I need your help to make that happen. Um, that's okay that, it might inconvenience him a little bit. That's what like that that's what partnership looks like. And it it's a shame that you have to have that conversation because when I asked her, I said, um, does he ever have to take a call at night? It's, well, all the time. And I said, Is it okay? Do you get upset with him? It, no. Well, is it
1: inconvenient for you? Sometimes
0: that's got to be a two-way street.
1: Yeah. I love um, at the medical school where I teach, we try to tackle some of these topics from day one. And we've talked a lot about um, work-life integration as opposed to work-life balance. And I think that's something that I've really tried to relate to is when your family is on your team and they know what your purpose is, they know what you're doing, they know why you're doing it, then they can become your Biggest cheerleaders and your biggest supporters. My kids quite frequently will be like, Do you have a call tonight, Mom? Well, because sometimes if the call ends at a certain time, then maybe they'll get to stay up about 20 minutes later. So they're loving when mama has a call. But you know, obviously, for bigger reasons than that, if if you don't have the perception either in yourself and the people around you don't have the perception that work is stealing you away from them, but rather they are part of your mission, then um, yeah, there's, there's no reason to apologize. I love that they are part of your mission. That's beautiful. Yeah, totally. And to take it to another level, I don't begrudge them for not understanding or for not championing it because it is my responsibility. Like it, they it's my health. Why would I like why would I hold it against them if they're not like presenting me opportunities to have self-care? And I honestly understand, you know, from their perspective them being a little grumpy if it's inconvenient. That's, that's fine. It goes both ways to your point before that's what a partnership, that's what a partnership is. And, um, I think, yeah, so many times that's just part of kind of our need to like, keep it to ourselves and like, we'll we'll just handle it. Um, and we'll just try not to, you know, inconvenience people or we'll try to like, just we'll clean up problems that aren't even there before they happen you know so um i think you're right it's just we can't be it's it's being brazen about something or being like being a bulldozer is so far away from like just standing in your own space and advocating for your own health that the two get confused way too often
0: yeah that's yeah that's a really good point wow
1: So tell us what's next for you, Dr. Page. Ooh, what's next? Um, I am super excited to kind of take the concept that I've developed in my membership model. Um, I, partner with patients here locally and provide comprehensive primary care. But even in doing that, I realized that um, there's a lot of life to be lived outside of my office. And so I'm developing some new tools to be able to partner with people on a daily basis uh, through some virtual memberships and um, online offerings and education so that I can be available to people who aren't here in Ohio. And I can partner with people with that daily accountability and setting their goals and reaching their goals um, so that we don't have to lose momentum just because you're not in the doctor's office.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Where where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, so come to my website, drpage.com. So D-R-P-A-I-G-E.com. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Page do. I'm Dr. Page D.O. pretty much everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. Okay.
0: Um thank you so much for for coming on and talking to us about your practice, about being a business owner, about being a wife and a mother and also just giving us some insight on the perspective of a doctor, sharing insight on on all the threads that connect us what I kind of heard was it's not just me. Um, And that's, that's so much of what we need to hear and just practicing self-care and what that looks like and kind of getting outside of that fight or flight. Um, Some really good information in there. And I thank you so much for, for coming on Pivot Me and sharing it. Thank you so much. This is a great space to chat. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at TheAprilGarcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.